Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Women Talk Tech. In today's episode, I am joined by Adriana Hudduk, Strategic Talent Acquisition Manager at Cavalli Ventures. With experience at the likes of Babbel, HelloFresh and Clue, Adriana has an extensive amount of experience in the HR world. In this track, Adriana and I discuss her role in planting the seed of hiring, good culture and all things DNI and founders in the very early stages. We also discuss her thoughts on DNI strategies for Series A plus companies and the role founders then play on retaining talent and being the role models for the company. A great conversation, I must say. I hope you enjoy it. So, Adriana, tell me a little bit more about yourself. So, I'm Adriana, originally from uh, from Romania, and I actually um, been living in Germany for um, quite some years already, and. Um, I had the chance to work in the uh, <clears throat> talent acquisition field for about nine years now, uh, having the chance to get the um, you know exposure to different uh, companies at different stages, including like hyper growth stage and early days uh, Series A um, uh, companies. So uh, quite a, I would say, broad spectrum of uh, companies. Nice. And tell me a bit more about your career journey so far. I think it's always good to look back and see how you got to where you are, why you are in the position you're in now. So yeah, tell us a bit more about your career journey. Um, so during the time that I, you know, gained experience as a talent acquisition manager, I had the chance to work with different founders, different teams, um, you know, exposed to different challenges and um, I guess also different ways of thinking. Um <clears throat> And I think the most important uh, position is uh, right now, you know, joining a venture capital firm. I joined Cavalry Ventures about two and a half years ago. And the reason why I joined that is because, um, you know, I, I found it beneficial to be able to work with um, the founders directly to try to kind of like support them, create, let's say, a more healthier people organization uh, from the beginning as um, Cavalry is investing in pre-seed seed uh, companies, so very early days, even like pre-product, basically. So uh, usually also there's just like one or two founders part of the of the team at the stage. So <laughs> um, it's quite exciting to be able to work with them. And in the moment, we have over like 50 companies in the portfolio and... Um, um, yeah, had the chance to work with different types of, um, <laughs> yeah, founders, uh, <laughs> ideas, um, and so on and so forth. Yeah, so quite challenging, but it's been uh, it's been great so far. Love that, and of course, I'm sure a lot about your role now, especially when working with the with the founders so very early on. Um, mm-hmm. I guess you are the person that kind of plants the seed about culture, about people, about what this should look like. Um, I guess from your side and the, and the help that you've been given, um, what does a good culture look like for you, especially in that kind of early stage where, like you said, it's pre-product, nothing, you know, nothing's really there yet. Um, how do you kind of go about looking for or helping them build that good culture from the very, very early stages? Yeah, um, this is a typical question they they basically ask you, like, who can support you build the culture? And I'm like, oh, you're the culture, basically at least in pre-seed seed stage and series A, of course, you're the culture, you're representing the culture of the company because in the end, you're building your own company. Um, and 
you know, you need to build a team that can actually, you know, work with you, um, understand you, understand the product that you're trying to build, the, you know, problem that you're trying to fix, um, I guess. So, um, you know, usually just try to build a team and the culture uh, around who you are. Just don't try to, I don't know, ask someone external or build like, or like hire, um, I don't know, a people manager to tell them, like, build the culture of the company, right? Um but also what I suggest them is like not to stress too much uh, on the topic at that stage, mainly because, you know, they need to build the product first and, um, uh, you know, like just be a human being uh, with everyone that you hire. And uh, I guess everything else is going to work out. Yeah, really interesting. How have you found your role um, as a woman in this space? Because I'm sure, I, I hate to say it, but I'm sure you are working with a lot of a lot more male founders than you are female, right? How have you found it? Yes, uh, definitely working with more like male founders um, at this stage. Um, you know, it can be challenging. First of all, it has been challenging for me because, you know, I transitioned for a position where I did the job and now I'm more in an advisory position which means that I don't get to do the job anymore, right? I just get to talk to them, understand their problems and guide them towards like what they should do in order to fix or adapt or whatever. But um, I guess from an advisory perspective, I didn't find it as difficult to work with them, um, mainly because in the end, it's not about the... Um, you know, being a female male collaboration, but rather, I guess, is the willingness of the founders to like accept, adapt or ignore in the end, the advice that you give, because in the end, they're also just building still their own company and you can only advise on like what they should do better, maybe. Um, but I had everything, right? I had founders that accepted. I had founders that, you know, came back to me with questions and I worked with them very closely. Some were present, but not really dropped the ball and some completely ignored it. And it's like, you know, it's up to, up to them. It is difficult. It is difficult because sometimes you have the tendency to think like, ah, oh, maybe it's because of me, <laughs> but it's, um, you know, it's not, I guess, um, you know, you just have to adapt to the fact that when you're in an advisory position, you know, they can take the advice or not, no matter if you're a female, male or whatever you want to name yourself. So, yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's more about the approach or the, the kind of mindset you have, like you said, right, not taking it personally, if they do do or do not take your advice, whether whether you're male or female, right, this founder will take whatever advice they, they want to take, right? Yeah, definitely. And in the first six, I guess, six months or so in the position, I took it quite personally because I was like, you have to do this. This is important. This is very important and crucial for your company. Um, but then you just learn to adapt that in the end. Yeah, you're not working in-house anymore. You don't do the job yourself. And, um, and founders have a lot of different priorities at that stage. So I guess you just have to adapt. <laughs> yeah. And, and like you said, right, you mentioned in the very beginning stages, right, diversity and inclusion does take a bit of a backseat. It's a very difficult topic or very difficult 
thing for companies to think about when they have no product, no team. Um, so hiring diverse people or, you know, trying to build a diverse team is, is near enough impossible, right? It's not there. Um, so I think the focus there then shifts to just building that product, making sure they can actually then hire that team. What's the main issue here? Have you found this to work? Do companies that do it that way um, find it easier to then build a diverse team? Or have you found companies that, that do try and do that bit from the beginning easier from that? You know, how, how does that work? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I will just want to, I guess, lay it out there that I'm not a diversity and inclusion expert. Um, I think I'm far from, from being that. But, um, you know, when it comes to like pre-seed seed stage, um, what I'm trying to do, I'm just trying to educate basically the founders on, you know, the benefits and importance of having a diverse team now or later. But in the end, it is quite impossible for them to reach that stage because um, um, in precedent seed stage, you have nothing, right? Or like in precedent, you have nothing. You're basically just a handful of people trying to build something and have an idea. And if you get funding, your funding is very limited. And as we know, hiring diverse teams can take a significant amount of time. And also, if you're a founder and, you know, you have an expertise in, let's say, technology or whatever, um, you don't probably know exactly, you know, how to attract a diverse, um, you know, candidate, um, you know, how to assess them yeah, uh, and so on and so forth. So I think for them, it's also a challenge from this perspective, but they do not have the luxury of time, unfortunately, to do that. Um, I had founders that really tried to to build uh, diverse teams from the beginning, and unfortunately, it ate a lot of the runway that they had. Um, and unfortunately, yes, uh, things have been delayed significantly. Um but then also I had founders that decided, look, if I'm going to have, um, you know, um, candidates in the pipeline that, um, you know, would be considered a diverse talent, I will definitely consider them, but I will not actively, you know, source this talent. I mean, you don't have a brand, you don't have a product, you have nothing, you know, it's very difficult to attract this kind of talent at that stage. So um, it is important to be realistic that you cannot do much. And what I try to do with them is just, um, you know, plant that seed over there that, um, uh, you know, like if you don't have the luxury of, of time and knowledge to, to take care of diverse talent at that stage, make sure that when you kind of like transition from seed to series A, you already have people in place, um, especially in the people team, that can support you to actually build the strategy on that end and then start from, start from there. Um, and also... We are really trying, and actually the entire team at Cavalry is trying to educate the founders on actually being also an inclusive employer, right? Um, because, um, you know, it's one thing to actually bring the diverse talent in, but then in the end, if you're not inclusive enough, then what is the point, right? Like, just make sure that you educate yourself on, like, what that means, um, and they usually have this chance to um, educate a bit more towards Series A onwards. Yeah, interesting. And, and let's kind of dive a bit deeper into that because I'm really keen to discuss, okay, I've got to Series A now. Now I need to kind of think about it, right? Um, or now is the time too that I can, I have the resources, I have the time. 
Um, so yeah, you know, once, so I'm, I'm, I'm at a stage where I'm, say hypothetically, we're at series A now. Um, I guess I'm really keen to kind of know a bit more about your strategy when helping, you know, these companies put together a DNI plan. How do you kind of go about it? What's your kind of go-to strategy for this? Mm-hmm. So I usually don't really do that with them myself, uh, mainly because they already have a people uh, team to support them with that. So uh, what I'm trying to do, I'm just trying to encourage them um, as sometimes also like, you know, coming or like advice coming from the investor can be uh, taken a bit more like seriously, I would say. I don't know if seriously is the right word, but they would probably just pay a bit more attention to that. Um, compared to being in-house, at least this is what I felt when I was uh, working in-house. It just feels like the founders don't see you. Um, so I'm trying to, at least on my end, I'm just trying to work with the founders to make sure that they implement some kind of like strategy or like kick off a project on like how to become more uh, diverse and more inclusive from now Um and from, from this moment onwards, basically. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm I'm doing. So I wouldn't say that I I support them with, um, you know, coming up with a strategy because I unfortunately also don't have the luxury of time to yeah. do that with them. Yeah. Yeah. So your spot is more from an advice point of view, like, you know, providing that advice on why it's important. Yeah. I guess that then leaks to the um, the point about people, product and culture, right? Because I guess yeah. you're, your I guess your advice would come in from that point why is that important I guess looking at the topic of culture looking at the topic of the product the, the kind of very early stages why is that important or why have you found that important when looking to kind of go into hiring a diverse talent and, and women specifically um so I had the chance to work with multiple companies and I have seen like how easy or difficult it was for them to attract diverse talent yeah um and I guess um, what I have observed is usually like, um, you know, if you speak about women, they're usually more interested to join a product um, that has an impact, right? Um, that brings actually good to the world and is just not trying to make the founders reach from one year to the other. Um, so this has a huge impact. And obviously, uh, you know, we all have, I, I don't know, we all grew up differently. We all uh, have different ideas about the world and the jobs that we want to have and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, while working at Clue, which is, um, you know, a product that supports like female health, uh, which is, uh, you know, a taboo subject in like so many countries still and cultures, um, that was one of the companies I had absolutely no issues to hire women like I was actually overwhelmed with the amount of women interested to join that team <laughs> um, there were just certain areas that were like very technical where also like you don't have that many females you know covering the, uh, those jobs like for example a DevOps engineer right how yeah. many like female DevOps engineers are out there like it's a very 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 tiny percentage of female um, you know covering that position um, and then it was, you know, it was also like quite good when we were in, uh, when I was in HelloFresh, again, you know, they were just trying to reduce the food waste uh, that we produce. Women were quite interested to join that team as well. But we also have companies in the portfolio that are like 100% technical companies, you know, um, and um, 
yeah, it is a challenge for them to actually hire females, especially like if you look at their engineering teams, their engineering teams are almost 100% male at this point, even in Series A, just because they're very technical products, right? They might, you know, support companies to, um, I guess, reduce costs, but uh, they don't necessarily like bring such a huge impact like the, the products that I have uh, mentioned earlier. So um, then I guess, you know, it's easier to attract women there. Um, and then for the other ones, it's not impossible. It's just like you probably have to build a proper strategy, a proper employer brand. Um, and, you know, you need to make it visible out there in order to attract. But that is going to be more work to be done rather than, you know, the other products. <laughs> Yeah, no, really interesting because you're so right. You know, women want to work on a product, not just women, but it's more important, I would say, uh, for women to work on a product that they see as important. They see the social impact. You know, Clue's a really good example, but equally, there are probably so many other companies that of course. J- just attract lots of females just for the nature of what they do. And, and how do, you know, if a company's not doing that, how do they even change this? I guess, what advice do you provide to those companies that, let's say that their product doesn't attract females, say, um, what sort of advice do you give to those sorts of companies in your portfolio? Well, you know, I, I give more like a personal advice because I have the feeling that the best employer brand is actually your current team and how you treat your current team. And if you treat them accordingly and you make sure that you are a good employer from all perspectives, then it's going to be easy to attract good talent and diverse talent and women and whatever you want to hire. Just because, you know, also as human beings, we're looking for, um, you know, respect, appreciation and so on and so forth. So I guess, you know, if you do that as a founder, um, this would have, um, you know, a significant, um, I guess, result um, uh, down the down the way. Interesting. And yeah, I think the founders play it, play, you know, founders play a very, very key role. I know you mentioned before, you know, if a founder, say, has an open mind and everyone else real, you know, it's all about the team. It's all about the people. I guess, exactly. how, you know, on your side, how do you help with founders who are possibly having issues with this? Um, say, having issues with having, not having an open mind. What sort of, yeah. uh, how do you go about helping companies or founders really struggling with that? Because it starts from the, the, the top. Yeah, um, it is a challenge. Uh, it's very difficult. Um, and, you know, each case is different in the end. So it's, it's, it's not that all of them behave the same. So what we're trying to do, obviously, like trying to bring in resources to support them to understand, you know, the benefits, let's say. Um, but then, you know, what Cavalry, what we're doing, we're also making use of all the network, basically, that we have and all the other founders that we have in the portfolio. So we're just trying to, you know, connect them um, with each other and discuss the challenges um, because sometimes, you know, it's also probably the, you know, the feedback that you get or the advice that you get from a founder that already went through a certain stage or a certain situation is probably well better received than, you know, coming from the investor side. So uh, we're just trying to support the communication and knowledge sharing uh, between them um, because we have seen this works quite well. So uh, we had founders that actually, um, you know, for example, build people teams after talking with different founders that have done so because they didn't really want it to do so initially 
uh, or at the stage that they were at. So um, it can have a huge impact. So this is what we're trying to do. Um, yeah, you know, just try to kind of like guide them to understand the benefits of it um, rather than just, you know, telling them you have to do so, right? Um, because in the end, they have to change their own mind and they need to understand it. Um, because if they don't, they're just not gonna, they're just not gonna do it. So, um, uh, this is how, or this, this is our approach. Um, and of course, you know, from series A's, the, the, there's going to be also like other, um, investors coming on board, um, you know, and they probably have, um, also like way more resources to support the founders with the topic. Um, and we see the impact of the larger investors as well coming on board, um, uh, you know, with more resources to support them. So um, it's definitely not just on us, um, but it's on the other investors as well. Yeah, yeah. And on the topic of resources, if you don't mind me asking, what resources do you then provide? I mean, other than the kind of networking, uh, is it like conferences they, they can go on or, you know, um, yeah. How, what resources do you provide to the founders that are struggling with this? Just generally just trying to connect with founders, maybe connect them with people from the industry, with experts. Um, you know, they're not at the stage where they're going to attend a lot of conferences on the topic or events on the topic or, you know, invest in tools or whatever, just because they don't have the, I guess, the cash to, yeah. to do so at that stage. Um, so it's rather, you know, we're just trying to focus a bit more, as I said, on, on educating them with information you know, sharing articles with them, uh, sharing results. Obviously, like I try to keep, um, um, you know, updated on, you know, what are the latest, um, let's say, um, uh, what are they called, um, reports out there and the impact of it. Um, just try to share them, um, share it with them um, and obviously just work from, from there. But, um, you know, other than that, Yes, you can say to them or like mention to them, yeah, read this book or whatever. Are they going to do it with, you know, uh, that many things on mind? I don't think so. Like, let's be realistic. They're probably not going to do it um, unless they are like 100% motivated or like they build a product that has an impact and they really want to target a specific um um, you know, like if you want to target like females uh, or whatever, then they might they might do it. But other than that, I, I I'm almost hundred percent sure they're not going to do it. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so articles. I'm just trying to find the ones that are quite like easy to go through and have like the most important data. Otherwise, it's very difficult to um, I guess convince them to spend like I don't know half an hour to read that instead of you know, building the product for another half an hour or whatever. So, yeah, it's, um, um, you just have to learn to accept that they are going to spend certain amount of time um, on certain topics at different stage of the company. So it's, uh, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I look at DNI, you know, from two angles, right? You have to, you know, to, you have to attract diverse talent, but you also have to retain them. Uh, I'm really keen to kind of look at both sides here with you because I think you've actually got the the kind of uh, experience and advice actually when you have to give that to founders, right? Uh, looking at the attracting side and, and how to attract that diverse talent, um, when you're sitting with founders, say, what advice do you give them to help them attract more diverse talent? I guess, first of all, we're starting from educating them what recruitment means. <laughs> because... Um, 
maybe i mean there's a high chance they have never done it themselves before so they don't even know what the recruitment process is so you just start from educating there um you know you help them create realistic um job descriptions you know and uh support them with cleaning that up um and uh, you know get out all the wording uh, that is like oh we're looking for exceptional talent or the best talent out there or whatever it's like sure um <laughs> and then you know just uh, work with them on like the the recruitment process um you know educate them a bit on like how to run interviews uh what to look at sometimes i offer to shadow them in interviews i give them feedback um you know how do you communicate with uh, with the people after that and 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 so on and so forth so basically you just have to do education and end to end recruitment process because they have probably never done it before <laughs> or they just interviewed people because they were part of the recruitment process right um so usually this is what i spend my time with them um so yeah, I guess on the so that's really interesting on the topic of attracting talent. Um, it starts from the job spec, it starts from the recruiting. Um, but equally, right, once founders have actually done all that work to attract that talent, um, the next part comes in, right? It's retaining them. Um, and I think you you said that something you found with a lot of companies you've worked with is that retaining talent is is a kind of tricky thing, especially at the early stage, right, where there might be little culture. Uh, small teams so it, it, it does play a big part what's the main issue here that you found with founders struggling to retain that diverse talent or just talent in general yeah. um so again we're just going to basics right in pre-seed and seed stage it's all about basics you start from scratch with absolutely everything and on the retaining of the talent usually the founders just come to you uh, or like they have the expectations that um the entire, uh, you know, team that they hire has to be fully independent and they should just run on their own for the entire period of time without them doing anything. Um, yeah, but, um, you know, what, uh, what, what I usually do, I just try to understand, you know, what their approach is and how, uh, you know, first of all, how do they communicate? How do they treat talent? How do they give feedback to talent? Do they give feedback to talent? If not, like, maybe let's work on that. Um, you know, like, um, do they compensate the talent accordingly at, the, at that point? Uh, you know, what are they promising to the talent that is in-house as well? So, um, uh, you know, just working on, as I said, the basics at that point. Um, and usually what I suggest them to do, uh, first of all, not overcomplicate things at that point because you don't and first of all you don't have the the knowledge to complicate things um and it might be a chaos so just do basics right make sure that um you know you implement i guess communication in the team no matter how you want to do it right all hands uh one-on-ones how often do you want them to be communication between um you know departments if you have departments or if they can be called departments if it's just one people person just like representing yeah. a department is like make sure that you have that inclusive make sure that you um include some kind of like um i guess feedback uh processes make sure that you give feedback to people i don't know once a quarter every six months or so it depends like how much time you have how big is the team and so on and so forth 
but like um, just do the basics, right? In order to retain talent. And of course, just like treat them with, um, I guess, respect and communicate because usually what I have seen is that founders don't really give proper feedback to talent and then they get frustrated that they're not doing their job. But it's also like not their fault. It's like, you know, you just become a founder sometimes and you don't have the knowledge yourself. Um, but it's important to ask. So um, I have a lot of the founders just reaching out to me and asking me like, look, this is what I'm doing. It Am I doing it correctly or not? And this is what we usually want, right? We want them to reach us um, and, and ask like, I'm trying to implement this, whatever new feedback process. Is this correct or not? Or this is the feedback I get from people. What should I do with it, right? Because in the end, also like, they get feedback from employees and they don't do anything with it. So as I said, it's a lot of basics. It's really basics. So it's nothing fancy. It's just basics that I'm trying to to cover with them. Yeah, yeah. Because you're, you're so right, you know, at the very early stages, right, the founder's mind is in so many places uh, and, and talent is you know, it's a massive factor. People is a massive factor, but actually having the product there is also a massive part of actually how you can continue to build the business. Exactly. Yes. I think um, you just have to find, um, you know, the right balance between all of them. Um, it, is, it can be quite difficult. There's going to be, um, um, you know, I, I'm 100% sure that most of the companies that, uh, you know, went through those stages, they had also a lot of people like coming and going, mainly because, you know, a lot of things change, strategies change, thing is changing, product is changing sometimes, they need to pivot and so on and so forth. So um, there's a lot of fluctuation, basically, um, you know, between, I guess, pre-seed stage and series A, um, and you just need to accept it, it is what it is. And yeah. Um, um, yeah, just make the founders aware that it shouldn't be massive because that is going to cost them a lot of money and a lot of the runway, basically. Um, but it's basics. It's literally basics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess just to kind of wrap things up, because we have covered quite a lot here, you know, yeah. Just, just, to, just to kind of wrap things up. As a founder, you know, say it's me. Um, I'm really struggling now with DNI. Um, if I could take three pieces of advice away from yourself, or yeah, three pieces of advice that you would actually give me, because I'm really struggling with DNI now. I'm really struggling with people and culture, and of course, I don't know where to start. What sort of things would you advise uh, for people to begin with as a founder now, um, when actually starting to think about DNI? That is a tough question, <laughs> I guess, because there's so many things, right? You should consider, I guess. Um, if you're if you're a first time founder, and if you're also like, let's say, um, you know, uh, quite young, I would say uh, first of all, look in the mirror. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I think, um, you know, it, again, like go back to the basics, right? Treat people as you want to be treated and, you know, treat your team the same because in the end, they're just going to give back and they're going to work quite well with you if you do that. Um, be open-minded, read quite a bit about, um, you know, what that means because, um, yeah, we are not uh, born knowledgeable, so you have to read quite a bit um, and communicate, in my opinion, at that stage as well. You have to communicate significantly with 
the team, with other people in the industry, with other founders, with whoever you want to talk with, but just communicate with people and ask questions. So I would say, again, the basics of, um, of yeah, implementing that because uh, further down the down the way you're going to have um, you know knowledgeable team members coming on board that can support you to you know take the the topic at a different stage uh, train you train the team uh, of course if you have an open mind as well and um, you care about the topic and you don't see people just as numbers which if you do it's a bit of a problem yeah yeah no honestly yeah. really helpful advice there. I think you know we, we tend no but we tend to underestimate the right basics we I think as well as as founders I've seen they tend to get super stressed you know sometimes they're by themselves they're they're wearing thousands of hats right building a company you know finding yeah. doing hiring like you mentioned right most founders have probably never hired a team by themselves before they've probably worked with and alongside people so hiring yeah. in general is difficult not to mention hiring diverse talent is, is actually then a lot of them don't even know what diverse means so I guess uh, you know you just have to start with basics again what does that mean (laughs) I think it's really important right to let them know because I think otherwise if you leave it too late it's then too late to rectify the damage or not damage but the issues that you've had because you've now got an an all-male you know tech team or all-male company and you know let's be what female is going to want to join a 50 person startup where there's not one female, you know, that's. Thank you very much for having me. It has been a pleasure.